0: Wrong show. (laughs) Well, we could do that one, though.
1: (laughs) Gotta love technology.
0: (laughs) It's like my fever dream. Oh, my God. Blending of everything.
1: Hello, I'm Kimberly Adams. Welcome to Make Me Smart, where none of us is as smart as all of us.
0: I'm Kyle Rizdahl. It's Tuesday, single topic, all y'all know the drill. Uh, The topic du jour is art and politics, Uh, and here's why. You might have heard there's been um, the only thing you can describe it as is a racist backlash uh, to black characters in pop culture these days, from um, uh, the Lord of the Rings thing that Amazon is doing to the Game of Thrones uh, is it a pre- I guess it's a prequel yeah uh it's a prequel, d- yeah. it is a prequel yes, uh speaking of which episode six pretty good, but no mm-hmm. spoiler alerts uh, anyway, also Disney's live action remake of Little Mermaid there is a lot going on out there,
1: yeah, and as anybody who regularly listens to the show knows, I'm a big fantasy fan uh and I watch these. Uh, observations in these debates with great interest. (laughs) And we want to look at the ways that big media companies are actually under increasing pressure to conform to a certain kind of politics. Because yes, this fight is over sort of how hobbits and elves and mermaids are supposed to look, and I'm doing the air quotes. Um, But it's also a story about representation and labor and where our country is right now.
0: Adam Serwer is the guest uh, on this Tuesday. He's a staff writer at The Atlantic, also the author of the book, The Cruelty is the Point, Why Trump's America Endures. And his latest piece in the magazine is called Fear of the Black Hobbit. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, explain the title, would you, for those who are, are not up to speed on on the internetization of, of this topic? <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna
2: date myself, but uh, the, the 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 title is a reference to Public Enemy's "Fear of a Black Planet," um, oh. that, which is a 1980s rap album. And it, because the controversy, because of the controversy over casting, uh, you know, black characters as fantasy character, black pe- actors as fantasy characters in uh, the game, uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings prequel. Um, I just went with fear of a black hobbit because it had a certain um, <laughs> assonance to the uh, to the title of the public enemy album.
1: So these campaigns, I mean, if you've been online on Twitter on social media, you've probably seen people saying this is not how these characters are supposed to look. What are these campaigns against black characters in particular really about?
2: So I think that, uh, you know, th- these things are so common now that they happen, you know, virtually any time a black character is non-traditionally cast um, differently from the way a-, a character was cast or a character has been drawn or traditionally written. Um, even if the, characters, uh, the character doesn't really have anything to do with race, um, they're sort of written as white by default, not because they need to be white for some particular narrative reason. Um, And there's often a lot of backlash against the actors as well. Um, And I think there are some conservative outlets who fashion this critique of... Because there's so much genre fiction now and some of it is not very good. They Hmm. try to turn this into sort of a culture war critique where the reason that some of these new offerings... Of you know old beloved intellectual properties like Star Wars or or, or or Marvel comics or something like that are not as good as you want them to be is because uh, these companies are trying too hard to make them progressive by cast non traditionally casting the characters and that seems to even extend to things that should be really for children like the Little Mermaid um, and this may seem silly but I, I do think representation representation is important and it's rep- it's Im- important for a couple of reasons. One is that when you look at the history of American film, um, the sort of racial characters of, say, black characters and Native American character- characters were really used to justify um, discrimination or violence against those groups of people. Um, so, and conversely, when you look at, you know, for example, a show like Will and Grace, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, mentioned the show Will and Grace is substantially altering American public opinion on the subject of uh, LGBT rights. Hmm. Um, and so the, these these questions of representation are really higher stakes than they seem, even though they may seem like silly arguments on the internet. And when I see these um, backlashes, I really think that they are an attempt to sort of tell companies that you should make art that um, conforms better to conservative politics. Um, it, it, otherwise, your art is not going to get make money. And sometimes you see people say "go woke, go broke," which is precisely what that means. <laughs>
0: Does it, does it ever surprise you, because I'll tell you, it surprises the hell out of me, but, but does it ever surprise you when people say this stuff out loud and, and the, the subtext right. is laid plain and you're like, really, you're saying this?
2: I, I wish I could say the answer is yes, but I'm so used to it now yeah, that yes. it, it does not mm-hmm. surprise me. Um, you know, this stuff was happening 10 years ago. I mean, I remember there was like uh, you know, there was a huge there was like a thing about Idris Elba being cast mm-hmm. um yeah. as Heimdall and Thor. I mean, yeah. this mm-hmm. it, it's it's literally every time, so I'm very used to it because personally, I, you know, it doesn't matter good or bad. I you know, I, you can throw whatever space opera, comic book, sci-fi stuff at me and I will probably watch it no matter how terrible it is. Um, so I'm just very <laughs> used to that it That says more about you um, than whatever else. is coming It does about. say a lot about me. <laughs> But 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 I'm so, so I'm very used to the, like seeing these conversations about this stuff because you know I'll go and read about it on the internet. Yeah. I mean I, I think uh, you know one of the issues though is the reason why these critiques sometimes resonate is that they're you know because there is so much genre fiction now because Hollywood has really embraced uh, the sort of the the geek universe uh, mm-hmm. you know yeah. it, it, which might have been a niche culture thing when I was a teenager. Um, you know some of it is not very good. And sometimes when people, um, when when it gets criticized in a substantive way, people will try to deflect those criticisms by saying, oh, you you just don't like the show because it was directed by a woman or because there are Mm. black characters in it or something like that. And I think that irritates people for obvious reasons. And so, you know, that there is a reason that these critiques sometimes resonate beyond, you know, the intended audience of conservative readers or viewers or whatever. Um, And I do think that that's a problem when people cynically uh use racism to deflect from uh substantive criticisms in that way
1: well and i and i have to point out that a lot of these arguments come from people who have no problem whatsoever when say a white person plays a non-white person in these films like any of the mummy movies or like prince what was it um anyway
0: it happened. So, well all john, jonathan things. price played an asian guy yeah i mean it's been all over the place yeah.
2: there, there's a lot of uh <laughs> there's a lot of examples of whatever you will face in hollywood i mean i think you mm-hmm. know if you look at uh there have been viral videos of like all the examples i mean there's like you know john wayne playing genghis khan um you know there's <laughs> mm-hmm. there's i mean one of my uh, favorites is in touch of evil which is otherwise a fantastic film um, you know, which is otherwise a fantastic film. Charlton Heston is is playing a Mexican character and he's like wearing brown makeup. Like it, it, it's just like um, you know, there there's um there's a lot of uh you know there's a lot of race bending so to speak in the other direction. Um and it does not uh it, and there's not as much outrage about it. Um and I think what that comes down to really is sort of another serious aspect of this conversation, which is like we're really talking about labor that is who gets, work, gets to work in the entertainment mm-hmm. industry? Who, mm-hmm. who gets work as an actor? Who gets work as a director, as a producer? Um, and if you're trying to push companies to be less diverse, I mean, in part, what you're saying is you should not hire black people, Hispanic people to do these jobs. Um, and so that, it, 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 again, it seems like a, a silly controversy, you know, over, uh, a, something superficial, like a, a casting decision, but then it becomes, when you realize that it's about labor in the industry, then it becomes much more significant.
0: Can, can we talk then, as long as we're talking about labor and sort of the marketplace angle on things, can we talk about, um, uh, the the corporate imperative here, right? These are all mm-hmm. for profit companies whose job is to make money. And then on on the one hand, and I'm just putting myself in the in the mind of the CFO at like Disney, right? On the one hand, he's got to maximize his profits, and so he worries about alienating. Uh, Some white conservative part of his audience, which is probably a a chunk of the Disney audience, if he puts a person of color in a non-traditionally person of color role, even if that's the way it is. Right. And and on the other side, there's man, you got to appeal to everybody. Right. You want the broadest possible audience. So there's a little bit. of Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I will say this. I think that um, sometimes these backlashes online seem a lot bigger than they actually are. I think that most mm-hmm. n- n- people, I think even most conservatives, do not really care that much. I think that there are people who are trying to gain clout online who uh, seize mm-hmm. on these controversies. And online, you can make a a a, a, a teardrop look like a tsunami. Nicely that,
0: said. That is a really good line, actually. That is a really good line.
2: Thank you. Uh, but but <laughs> I mean, like the the uh, the um. Ability to do that is something that is characteristic of these harassment campaigns and they can really make these things feel like there's more of a groundswell than there actually is. And I think like the average conservative, the average Trump voter voter, or whatever doesn't really care. But I do think the audience online for this is large enough that there are people who try to burnish their brands and make a big deal out of this um, because, you know, it helps them, uh, you know, gain an audience or build a brand or gain traffic. Um, but I, I do think that the backlash seems much louder than it actually is. I think most people just want to watch a good show um, and don't care too much about, um, you know, whether or not uh, it's non-traditionally cast. I will say that part of the issue there is that, you know, when the show does not, um, the show is not particularly good or the movie is not particularly good and people start blaming uh, the fact that, you know, black or minority actors were cast in it, then that is, you know, that is a reactionary frame um that I think is uh, I think is obviously racist um but that doesn't happen all the time but you know I, I do think there's a distinction between the two things
1: and you know sort sort of staying on the labor thread even if it is a relatively small group of people online you know kind of spewing this vitriol it really affects the actors right
2: i mean it affects the actors uh because it's it's an attempt to say to make people not want to take these parts and not want to take these roles or not want to write these scripts or make these movies. And while it is, I think a small, it, it, like, I think ultimately it is a smaller group of people than it seems online. Some of these people are pretty in- influential. I mean, you you, uh, uh, you know, months ago um, w- w- when there was a whole thing about how Netflix is quote unquote too woke, Donald Trump Jr. posted a a, a meme that was essentially complaining that in Netflix, uh, Netflix adaptations of uh, a comic book or, or, or a novel um, are more diverse than the original source material, um, which I think like, is sort of shockingly straightforward in the substance of the complaint, which has nothing to do with the merits of the art itself. Can I um, pause
1: you for a second because sure. I want to visually describe this particular meme that you're talking about. It's like a black box with four squares in it, right? And in three of the squares, it has like the outline of, you know, the man, right? Like the kind you see on restrooms. A white and they man. are white and there's like three outline of like four, three or four outlines of like white male characters. And then it says like the book, all white. The um, the video game, all white. The um, what's the other one? Oh, right, the movie, it's all book, white movie, And then yeah. it says the net, the Netflix adaptation, and there's like caricature of various people of color. That's like what how explicit this is.
2: Well, actually, the complaint, and I want to explain how how like how ridiculous this meme is actually of the characters in the netflix adaptation are white it's just that one of them is gay and one of them is disabled um and and that's you know it, it is it is essentially a complaint about uh, popular entertainment being integrated uh and i just you know i don't think that's really a substantive complaint about the merits of a piece of work it is fundamentally i don't want to see people who are not like me on the screen and again i think you know, most people are not that pressed about it, but there is a vocal minority of people who can make themselves seem much bigger online um, and who have, you know, a certain amount of status to push push these conversations into the mainstream um, who, you know, are the reason that we're talking about this right now.
0: So as you um, uh, talk about this piece and as you, you know, sort of think about it as it's being played out on the internet, right, right? What do you want readers to take away from it?
2: Well, I think I want readers to take away from it the fact that these controversies may seem silly, but they're ultimately about two things that are pretty important. One, representation, which, you know, shapes public imagination for good or for ill. um, And we can see the effect of that in in America's past in terms of the way that uh, minorities and women were portrayed Um, in caricatured ways and the second thing is that this is really about who gets to work who gets to work in the the entertainment industry whether it's as an actor a writer a director or on the crew whatever um and so that you know while this may seem very silly and people you know in some cases it is expressed in a very silly way and people should make fun of it it is ultimately about something that's actually quite serious
0: yeah, look, I, I, sorry, one more thing. I, I mm-hmm. totally agree that it's completely serious. It's, it's actually really, really real, but, but w- w- peg your odds. It's of,
2: somehow both ridiculous and serious yeah, at yeah, the that, same yeah, time, that, which that, I that, feel like is yeah. a theme of, right. of, of, of American life in the, for the past uh, decade or so. But <laughs> yeah. A- absolutely. But look, what, what,
0: what are, what are your, I mean, it's going to be decades, generation before this isn't a thing anymore. What, I mean. What are your hopes for change? I guess is my is my point.
2: I think you know uh, this is sort of both upstream and downstream of politics.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and I think you know when our politics around race changes, I, I think that uh, the the art itself will reflect that.
0: Adam Serwer uh, is a writer for The Atlantic. His latest piece uh, in that magazine is called Fear of the Black Hobbit. He writes also books, uh, of which his most recent is The Cruelty is the Point Why Trump's America Endures. Adam, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thank you for having me. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know why my brain froze when I was thinking of all these examples there are so of, many of them, right? I mean, all of yeah. the characters. Yeah. I mean, Ghost in the Shell broke my heart. I mean, you know... Not that the movie was bad, but it was just like, even when you have opportunities for representation, even relatively recently in Hollywood, literally go all their way out of the way to not. And and just the hypocrisy of this argument has been so fascinating to me, but I guess that's never stopped anybody. Yeah,
0: that's the whole saying the quiet part out loud thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go. But that was really interesting. Yeah, I thought it was totally fascinating.
1: Yeah. Uh let us know what you think. Our number is 508-827-6278, also known as 508 EB Smart. You can also send us a voicemail at ooh, voice memo. Got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would love that guy. Send us a voice memo at make me smart at and we will be right
3: back. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.
1: (laughs) All right, time for the news fix you want to go first? All
0: right. I will climb in, and this one fits in the category of this is what is supposed to be happening. So the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, as we know. I talked about the monthly nut the other day, the payment that people have to make every month if they buy a house, and how the um, Federal Reserve raising rates is going to affect home prices and home sales. And in point of fact, according to Mortgage Rates Daily today, 30-year fixed rate mortgage, 7.08%. Think about that. It's basically doubled in a year. Anyway, I say that because something else came out today. It's a report uh, from the S&P 500 CoreLogic K-Shiller Home Price Index. It is the, the gold standard of home price indexes. U.S. home prices cooled in July. reading the first sentence off CNBC. U.S. home prices cooled in July at the fastest rate in the history of the K-Shiller Index, which goes back like 20, 25 years. Here's the thing. They are still going up, right? Home prices nationally rose 15.8% uh, in July over a year ago, but Mm -hmm. it was 18% in June. So home prices are slowing. This is what is supposed to be happening. And everybody just needs to be aware of that. And if you're a home buyer, it's good for you. If you're a home seller, maybe not. It depends. You know, mortgage rates are really high now and you probably got a low rate. And anyway, real estate, pay attention.
1: Is it really better for buyers at this point? Because it feels like yes, prices are going down, but are they going down enough to offset the higher interest rate? Yet?
0: No, they're actually not. The other, but the thing that is happening is that home construction is up. More new homes are being mm-hmm. built, right? Because there's pent up demand for homes now after mm-hmm. people can get out of their you know apartments or whatever. So that's the thing that's going to really relieve prices. I don't believe that's actually hit yet, though.
1: So I had this random thought last night. Um, because I sometimes lie awake being paranoid about the world. Um, do you remember um, several months ago before, like, things really started going crazy, how the they were saying that the—I think it was even last year— how adjustable-rate mortgages oh, were yeah. coming we're back?
0: Oh, yeah, we're back. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it just, like, I had this moment like, oh, God, what about all those people who got adjustable-rate mortgages? Mm-hmm. Yes! They got in probably at like two percent or something, yes and now when that you know when that adjust the adjustment happens, yeah adjustment. Woof, that was wrong. Adjustment happens, that's going to hurt. Our Ar- arm That's are really going to hurt. Yep. yeah. but I mean, everybody has been in this low interest rate environment for so long. People really thought that <sighs> it was the way to go. yep anyway. I'd be very interested to hear from anybody who got an adjustable rate mortgage recently and how you're feeling about that. Um, right.
0: Yes. So All right, you go.
1: I, I have two stories. Um, the first one is just pure validation. So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> you go.
1: Many, many women spoke to each other about this, and now there's scientific research to back it up. There's new research out that says after you get the COVID shot, it affects your menstrual cycle. Every woman I know was talking to other women about how the vaccine messed up their periods. And we all suspected it, but we didn't have proof. And now there is research that that really happened, basically saying that they did a study of nearly 20,000 people around the world, and it shows that Getting vaccinated against COVID could change the timing of your menstrual cycle. And it's usually a short-term change. But, you know, if you are someone who perhaps does not want to be pregnant at a given point in time, a short-term change in your menstrual cycle can do some things to you. Mm -hmm. Just saying, Mm -hmm. very important. So I was glad to see the research validate the experience of many of the women that I know. Kai, thoughts Noted. on
0: this? No, no. I, I, <laughs> I um, Look, it's real. I mean, you know, anecdotal evidence piles up and it becomes a real thing, for sure.
1: Yeah. Okay. So my other one is way more businessy, but also back to the war uh, in Ukraine. We've been talking so much about how the gas pipelines are so important and crucial in the the relationship between Europe and Russia and global energy prices. So today, Europe is, several European countries are investigating major leaks in two pipelines coming out of Russia that, uh, I'm reading from Reuters here, spewed gas into the Baltic mm-hmm. Sea. Sweden has launched a preliminary probe. I believe Germany said they thought it could be sabotage. And they is a lot of chatter right now around if it is sabotage, who might be responsible for it? Because there are a lot of actors who might have different incentives here, or because the likelihood of two of these leaks while other stuff is being repaired, you know, all of these things slowing down the flow of natural gas to Europe when they're already in a bind given these sanctions, it is highly unusual. And you know, it's sort of a ramping up of the stakes. Yeah, uh, it was sabotage. The,
0: I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that it was sabotage. Yeah,
1: it's the the likelihood of not sabotage uh, is yeah. is rare. Uh, and Ukraine, of course, says it's a Russian attack to destabilize Europe. But you know how to prove it. Um, oh, and I'm reading in the Reuters piece: seismologists in Denmark and Sweden registered powerful blasts in the vicinity of the leaks on Monday. And, Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. 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 Okay. Mailbag. Those were the news fixes. Right. Man, yeah, mailbag. mailbag. Let's, Let's do go. it. Hi, Kai and Kimberly. This
0: is Godfrey from San Francisco. Jesse
1: from Charleston, South Carolina. And I have a
0: follow-up question.
1: It has me thinking and feeling a lot of things.
0: Eric, Santa Fe, go. Hey guys, two questions for Kai this time. Yeah. First off. What was it like being there at Dodger Stadium when pool holes hit both well, 699 <laughs> and Homer Never 700? I hope it was as crazy as it looked on TV. Number two,
2: how can you pronounce it GIF?
0: Or, excuse me, GIF. There you go. Because it's <sighs> graphical interface no, I don't care. format. I don't care. It's not graphical interface format. And you don't call it a JPEG, you call it a JPEG. <laughs> Come on, man. It's no, simple. no. No, love the so, show. Yeah, Have a well, great day. Lo- Love you too, man. But but Thank no, you're man. wrong. Take the first part uh, first. So uh, my family had tickets uh, to the Dodger game this past Friday night. Pools came up the bat, uh, struck out once. Came up again, home run six ninety nine. Came up the next time, home run seven hundred. It was maze balls. It was crazy. It was crazy. The Dodger fans were were just so behind him, and I think you can make a case that that affected the Dodgers because they lost eleven um, <laughs> nothing. So, what? yeah, so we, we yeah we left after the sixth, five and a half innings. We were oh, like, yeah, got to go. We already got pools. Uh, so that was that. Um, I'm the, I, I will die on the GIF hill. Full stop. You will never convince me to say it otherwise. Nobody will.
1: And, I mean, I agree with you, but I still say GIF because, oh, yes, accurately. cave! You
0: cave!
1: I didn't cave. I, I never changed. I've always said GIF. Oh. And then you pointed me to the video, as you have pointed people to it many, many times, of the guy who came up with the standard yeah. who says it is GIF. And yeah. didn't you interview him?
0: No, 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 I didn't. I didn't. I just, I, okay. I found that clip. You found the video. As, I went looking for validation. Said...
1: <laughs> <laughs> validation matters so much, doesn't it? Yes. Um, you know, I think because I like I just like the gif sound. It feels more definitive. Fair
0: enough. Totally fair.
1: All right. Before we go, we're going to leave you with this week's answer to the Make Me Smart question, which is, what is something you thought you knew but later found out you were wrong about? Today's answer comes from activist journalist Corey Doctorow, who I spoke to recently about the book that he co-authored, which is called Choke Point Capitalism: How Big Tech and Big Content Captured Creative Labor Markets and How We'll Win Them Back. Here's his answer.
0: When I
2: was a baby writer, experienced writers, they, they all had the same bit of advice. They said, write every day. And when they said that, I figured that it was like aspirational. And Eventually, I figured out that if I wrote every day, it would become a habit, and habits are things that you get for free. And when I realized that, I was able to write every day despite the fact that on many days, I felt like I was writing really badly. Hmm. And I could just feel the the terror and anxiety of writing stuff that felt really bad and do it anyway because I Hmm. could tell myself this is maybe bad, but maybe not and the only way to know is to
0: write it and then go back and look at it later. And that's how writing became a habit. <laughs> no, I, I I really like that. I really like that because I am I am as creature, I am uh, as big a creature of habit and and a hidebound routine as you could possibly come up with. And I've decided in the last like year that I need to change some stuff uh, and you just got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it no matter what it is. Keep doing that change you want to be. That's all I'm saying.
1: I struggle so much to start new habits. Like I I start them and I'll be like hardcore for like a month or two mm-hmm. and then just fade off or I'll have a day where I miss it and I'm like, "Well, I've ruined my week now." And it's like, "Well, now the <laughs> week is shot." And then it's just it spirals. Yeah. And so I I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um especially this idea of balancing the the bad days being balanced out by the good, yeah.
0: which was nice. For sure. For sure. That, that was a good one. Um, you can send us your answers to the Make Me Smart question via voice memo to our email at makemesmartatmarketplace.org. God, Bridget, you're killing me. Leave us a message, which is different than a voice memo or an email at 508-827-6278, also known as 508-U-B-Smart. Damn you, Bridget Bodner. We have too much fun with this. I know, right? I still, I'm not entirely sure I understand the difference. Truly. Make Me Smart is produced and directed by Marissa Cabrera. Our intern is Livia Zhao. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Today's program is engineered by Juan Carlos Dorado. Mingxin Tsiguan is going to mix it down later. Ben Tallene and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music.
1: The senior producer is Bridget Bodner. Donna Tam is the director of On Demand. Francesca Levy is the executive director of Digital. And Marketplace's vice president and general manager is Neil Scarborough. I have to go watch Andor now.
0: Oh caught up. There you go. I haven't
1: watched the latest Game
3: of Thrones either. So
0: oh, it's a good one. Going you, on. should, you, should, you should do that. You should definitely do that.
3: We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion.